Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Daniel McLaughlin, owner and founder of Rock Salt Cafes in Ireland. Coming up on today's show... Daniel makes Phil feel welcome... Well, Phil, what's the crack? Are you having a cappuccino? Phil describes Daniel's start in the industry. God, you, you didn't fall into it. You staggered kind of wildly into it. And Daniel highlights what being flung in the deep end looks like. Didn't know I'd iron a shirt. So never mind run a hotel. All that and so much more as we chat through Daniel's quite remarkable story so far. His story shows what happens when you're bold and you don't mind a bit of learning. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to give us a subscribe, a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to Daniel McLaughlin. Hi Phil, how are you doing? Good morning. All right. How's things with you? Yeah, all good, all good. I had my gym session this morning and uh, I stopped off at our bakery there and got a nice coffee and and an almond croissant. So I'm, I'm ready to rock. You're right on brand as well, right on your own brand. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if I don't support it, there be something wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just tell the world who you are and what it is that you do. Yes, uh, I am. My name is Daniel McLaughlin. I am uh, the owner, I suppose, creator of Rock Salt Cafes here in Ireland. And yeah, I suppose we've we've grown from a small small kind of uh, village cafe uh, into we've got well six strong outlets at the moment and uh, I'm continuing to push and strive for for more so yeah let's see what happens I think that's just one of the and and to be fair I was I was going to say it's one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show but you reached out to me and um quite a long time ago and we've been trying to make this happen for a bit of time but finally we've gotten there but I think one of the reasons why this was a really appealing story in inverted commas to me is the fact that that that's not one that's not your background but two it's kind of you're growing and and the world's order out there of, at the moment would tell people that you know it's a struggle to have a hospitality business that you know that, that growth is very very difficult because of you know cost pressures and and all of these kind of things but um so to to hear that you're kind of striving forward and, and pushing ahead with with new sites is absolutely music to my ears yeah no it's been it's been it's been a great success to be fair we're into our sixth year in business now um i spent most of my career over in the uk and in, in in hotels which i'm sure we'll come on to shortly but yeah look it's a, the main thing for me was always to keep the product right keep the quality keep the consistency get the right people with us you know on the on the same journey and as long as i can keep the product right and the consistency levels across the business right we, we we'll keep pushing and you know i'm i'm 34 now i still have a lot more to achieve and i still want to do a lot more so every day is learning for me and um you know the more we push on the more we kick on the more we we, we grow in business i'm learning a hell of a lot more and ultimately that's that's the goal is to to keep learning keep pushing and you know we've 
I've had a fantastic journey so far through my career, but it's fantastic to be able to see people come along with me now as well. And the longer I can keep growing and pushing, they can keep growing as well. So it kind of it kind of helps everybody, you know. Yeah, and and I think that really comes across in in what I've seen of you on on social and the, the stuff that you post. You know, you're you're I suppose it's the, the age old principle that you can't do this alone, right? You you need to bring everybody along on the ride with you. Yeah, hundred percent. And look, I've certainly learned that the diff the, the hard way. Um, I'm only really kind of well, I say stop stepping out of the operations. I was on the coffee machine making coffees earlier this morning when I jumped in, but um. It's uh yeah, it's one of those things like my role keeps evolving, but I'm still I'm I'm not a guy who sits in the office and I'm still still out and about every day and touching all the sites and checking in on the teams and um anytime I see a queue of two or three people waiting for a coffee or waiting for a table, I'm straight in and I'm mucking around the place. So I, I love that. I love I love the the everyday changing on of of the role as well, do you know? Yeah. And the flexibility that that brings too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. Well, we'll we'll get absolutely get into to Rock Salt as we go through the the chat. I I, I want to learn a little bit more about where you are and and what you stand for and all that stuff. But before we get to that, let's let's go all the way back. And um, because as I mentioned at the top of the show, it's actually cafes are are not your prominent hospitality background. So just tell us how the hell did you get into hospitality in the first place? Um, I fell into hospitality um, and dragged myself through it. I always had an entrepreneurial spirit, I suppose, even as a kid. Jesus, I used to go around cutting people's grasses at the age of, you know, eight, nine, ten for, for a little for a couple of quid here and there. And I remember I used to have a go kart and this is uh, back when you used to used to have videos before even DVDs came out. So I used to have a, a little trailer in the back of my go-kart and I used to go around and I used to rent out rent out my videos to the kids on the streets every every night, you know. And I'd I'd cycle back around the next day and pick them up. Um so I was, I was always messing around it's I suppose that never left me. Um my mum had had a had a wee clothes shop in Dublin when she was maybe 21, 22. And she probably always instilled that that kind of drive to there was never there was never a limit in my childhood growing up, if that makes sense. There was I could I could do whatever I wanted to do. I could go to America, I could go to Japan, I could make make a successful business here or there. And I suppose probably at a young age she'd she probably always instilled that in me, if that makes sense. My dad, on the other hand, would have been very cautious yeah. and, you know, would have been, you know, working with the same crowd for 20, 30 years, if that if that makes sense. But I was always very outgoing, loved to just be out and about. School was never really my forte, didn't really enjoy it, loved sports, always into sports. And yeah, kind of just, I just did enough to barely to get past, past, get through school. I was clever enough that I, I knew I needed school, but I never, I was never clever enough to actually knuckle down and do what I needed to do. I suppose you just scrape through it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I can 100% relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I ended up, I suppose, funny story, they, we, I ended up in Shannon College Hotel Management. I'm from a place up north in, north of Ireland called Dundalk, just north of Dublin. And um, yeah, as soon as, as soon as I hit 17, I just wanted to get out of here. Didn't look back. And I got accepted to college, Shannon College Hotel Management. Didn't know anything about it. Never worked in hospitality. Uh, I was working on the building site at the time. I did a few part-time job gigs, uh, sorry, bar gigs uh, around the town and worked in a few hotel bars and things like that, but nothing nothing that even was near what hospitality is now, if that makes sense. 
and mm. um, worked in petrol stations few few other bits and pieces always doing something and yeah my career guidance teacher at the time I always wanted to do something in sports PE teacher or um you know sports management is what I was kind of gauging for and I didn't get enough points to get my first or second choice to go to university for for that and my third choice came in and it was Shannon College Hotel Management I didn't even know it was on the bloody form that I'd filled in um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true story. Uh, my career guidance teacher had put it on and said, Jesus, he might be interested in this. So, yeah, but unbeknownst to me, turns out my parents had actually gotten the brochure from the college beforehand and everything else and hid it from me. Just they, they knew if I if I knew anything about it, I wouldn't go. Um, and so the results came out and my mom calls me. I was working on the building site and says, look, you've you've you got an offer to to go down to Shannon College Hotel Management, and I said, "Jeez, what the fuck is that?" How? Um, <laughs> and she said, "Well, come on, come on, we'll have your tea and we'll talk you through it." And I went home and pulled out all the brochures, and geez, they must have had five or six different things. And you know, one was all about uniform and cooking, and um, you had to buy a chef's uniform, had to buy books. I thought I was going to college, and you know, might 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 do two two hours a day and be up in Dublin with the lads or something like that, you know. And um, you know, this is this is like joining the army. So I decided to give it a go. Why not? I couldn't. I couldn't back out of it now, and I couldn't get get. It was too late to get into any other courses. So um, yeah, we went down and absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> well, this is going really well <laughs> <laughs> for the first couple of weeks. Uh, I loved the social life of it. We were. We, I was down. I was out the other side of Limerick. So at the time, it was probably four or five hours away, and I loved. We we we, we were given these little holiday homes to that we we stayed in as the kind of student accommodation and all the all the students lived in there so it was really like a family bond from the start and that side aspect was absolutely brilliant the college side of things i didn't have a clue what i was getting into i was there was there was people there who had worked in hotels their whole life and five-star hotels and people who had owned them and people's parents who'd ran hotels and they all knew what the fact they were getting into and i looked like a dope coming in I was straight off a building site, didn't know how to iron a shirt, never mind run a hotel with no experience in hospitality. So yeah, it was a, it was a rude awakening. I remember I walked into my first chef's class and my chef whites weren't ironed and the chef pulled me out of it and said, what's going on here? You can't even iron your, your shirt. And I said, I did. Yeah, I ironed them. And he said, show me your locker and fucking open my locker. And my other chef whites were just in a ball thrown into the back of the locker. Right. And he fucking killed me, sent me home and said, go home and iron your shirt and come back to me. So I went home. I didn't know how to iron at the time, Phil, <laughs> as embarrassing as that sounds. And I ended up ironing all the creases into the fucking uh, chef's jacket <laughs> and went back into him. And he just pulled me out of the class and said, are you fucking taking the piss of me, son? <laughs> and um, I said, no, I ironed it. So next thing he pulls up an iron and bloody lecture hall in front of everybody and makes me oh, iron wow. my chef whites and taught me how to iron so ever since that day i i always had a pristine shirt i tell you that goodness yeah but do you know what right i mean as tough as that moment probably was like these are the things that teach you discipline right the, the just the little little lessons and i mean god when you said that you fell into it god you, you didn't fall into it you staggered kind of wildly into it is what it is what it feels like um, that's yeah. quite remarkable. Quite remarkable. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And do you know, like the first, so the first year, I, I I didn't like it. I remember coming back at Christmas, and we were off for two weeks, and I went down and had a pint with my dad, and I said, "Look, Dad, this isn't working out. I want to go back on the building site." And he turned around to me and said, "Look, give it the last six months. At least you'll have a year behind you, and you can go on and do something else." Then do you know. Um, and I said, right, Jeff, yeah, I'll go back. Sure, I have nothing to lose. There's no point in me leaving halfway through the through the, the year, if that made sense. And when I went back, I don't know whether it was a freedom or whether it was like a sense of, do you know what? I'm out of here in six months anyway, so let, let me just give it my best shot or let's just see what happens. And I don't know, something turned and I slowly started to enjoy it. And I slowly started to get into the, the business classes I enjoyed and I loved the restaurant side of it. And I suppose it was one of those things I actually gave it, a, I gave it, a, I gave it a chance. And then there was an option to go away in the second year. And I took that, I went to Luxembourg and worked in a hotel as a stagiaire for, for, for the full year, worked my way up through the hotel. And I came back after that year, a new man, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. God almighty. I'd, I mean, these are sliding doors moments and a half, aren't they? I mean, yeah. like, you know, you go back and you, you think, nah, that's still not for me. Then, you know, very, very different conversation. Well, we're probably not even having a conversation. That's uh, probably the long and the short of it. Yeah, definitely not. I'd probably be on a building site somewhere. I probably would have had my own building company or something like that. But, uh, yeah, who would have known? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I suppose then at that point, you're... what. What clicked? Do you, can, can you pinpoint it? Was there something that you thought, hmm, actually, this is quite interesting now? There was always something. That, uh, do you know what? I, I It was the same in school. It was always like if somebody told me I couldn't do something, I wanted to do it. Do you know that kind of way? So right. there was a few of the lecturers, a few of the chefs at the time had said, ah, listen, this isn't for you. Do you know, you, you need to you, you, probably best to move on from here. Do you know, and I think that kind of resonated on me. And I said, no, do you know what? Like okay, I'm 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 up against some lads here in my in my class who've who've different types of hotels and have been in the hospitality industry since they were bloody nine or ten years old, but I think I can I think I can get there, you know. And the year I had in Luxembourg, I absolutely loved it, loved every minute of it, uh, loved the work, loved the buzz, loved the hustle and bustle of the hotel, and I was good at it. I was good with people, um, I was good with managing, and it's good. I could see a, I could see something something coming, you know. Mm. And I got yeah, I got the buzz for it, and I got the, I got the hunger, I had the drive, and I had the passion for for doing right things. And I came back and did two more years down in Shannon, and ended up working in a hotel in Adair there as well, and absolutely loved it. Really, really enjoyed it. And I graduated. When I graduated, I won an award, most likely to succeed uh, in the industry. So, oh, that is a hell of a turnaround. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I don't know whether it was just the turnaround that they were all shocked to, to give it to me or or what, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was brilliant. So um, yeah, that kind of kind of gave me the kickstart and gave me the learning. And to be fair, it's a fantastic college, absolutely fantastic college for 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 that. You know, it takes takes people and shows them really what what they need to do, and you know the. They've good ethos behind them in hospitality, and some of the best hoteliers in the world come come from Shannon. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no question about that. Yeah, okay. So what happened after that? Where did you head with so, your newfound excitement and knowledge? Yeah, something something that's great about Shannon is that they um, they kind of guarantee a 100% job rate after you graduate. So when I was in my final year, hotels hoteliers will come back and recruit for graduate programs. And there'll be there'll be somebody in every week giving it giving a talk on on what what they want to do or who what 
what they were looking for exactly and then you could you could apply and you can do an interview and they'll pick the, the graduate that, that they want I suppose so my mindset was always to go to America I wanted to go to New York I actually had earmarked Marriott and I had earmarked Fitzpatrick's an Irish brand over there that, that I wanted to work for but they weren't coming to interview until the March time this was probably October and I literally sat in sat in a lecture simply because I can't remember what I was even why I was even still in the college but I, I wasn't planning on going to it but I sat in on a, on a talk from Vincent Madden from um he was working with the Aurora Hotel Group at the time Sofitel in London and he was the general manager of the Sofitel London Heathrow and Dublin Dublin lads and he came back and I was sitting in the very back of the lecture hall and as soon as he started speaking my my ears just parked and I sat sat through 40 minutes of him talk, talking about the hotel and his career and I just said fuck I need to work for this man he's that's right. that was, yeah it was just one of those drops in my head and I was like that's that's where I need to go so he was just flying over from London for the day I tried to get an interview lined up and they said they wouldn't it was all full already because you're supposed to book yourself in a week or two beforehand if that makes sense mm. so I said feck so I ran I ran back to the to to the to the college dorms or wherever or the the houses drove back and I knew he was in interviews all day and he had a flight to catch at five o'clock from Shannon so I went back on true on a, a a suit and a tie and made myself look look half An presentable shirt. yeah ironed my shirt ironed yeah. <laughs> it was perfectly ironed I tell you Bill and um I waited outside, waited outside till he finished his interviews, and just before he ran to to get his plane, I stopped him. I said, "Listen, can I have five minutes of your time?" And he said, "Okay." And he was pushed for time, and I said, "Look, I I missed the cut. I didn't. I I heard your thing, and I really want to work for you." And we we had a quick interview for for five minutes, and he said, "Look, halfway through, he goes, "Look, I really need to go." Um, I said, "No problem." I'll walk you over to the airport. So I walked with him the whole way up to the gate and saw him on the plane. And did you give him a hug? Before, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just before, just before he boarded his, his went through the gate. He said, "Right, I'll see you in uh, I'll see you in June in London." And uh, that was that. Yeah. So right. it was one of those things. I think he'd he'd asked me why was I wearing a suit because everybody else was wearing the college uniform and that was that was a rule you were supposed to and I said I just told him blatantly I wanted to stand out and I wanted to get your attention and he said sure you're not going to get in trouble for that I said I don't give a shite I just want to work for you and I think he liked that and he said well what would it take and I said I'll work for free I don't give a shit I said but look if if I do okay in a month or two will you pay me <laughs> um so he, <laughs> he kind of laughed at that um and said okay no problem <laughs> so yeah, that was that was that. So off to London I went uh, in the June time and started my journey with the Aurora Hotel Group, and started off as a trainee manager in training in meeting and events, and absolutely loved it. Worked my ass off. Would would have done anything for him. There was him. There was a guy called Ryan Nichols. There was James Murphy who I worked with, and they were all fantastic guys who were hungry and passionate about hospitality and and business more so. And the hotel was run absolutely amazingly. Um, Sarinda Aurora was the, the, was the owner and he was always in and, in and out and um, just loved it. Absolutely loved it. Mm. And worked my way up. I ended up spending four years there and finished off as a uh, food and beverage manager before I went to work with Danny Piccarelli in, in exclusive hotels. 
Goodness, I mean, you're just dropping some names now, aren't you? The um, the but I, su- I suppose if I, we'd backtrack a little bit as to how you've ended up on this this journey, is that you know you were bold beyond words there in order to get some time with Vincent, and you know just doing that act alone, you would have stood out whether you were wearing a suit or not. To be honest, you know, and and. This is something that I think that gets lost a lot of time that when you, if you really, really want something, then it is kind of that mentality of just, just go get it. Like, you know, don't rest and let it come to you. You've got to have the courage of your convictions and go out and, and kind of chase it down yourself. Yeah, 100%. There's another one coming up if we, if we keep going there. Uh, <laughs> Good stuff. With James Hodder. Um, but... It was only like, yeah, I, I suppose I learned early on that my, my 20s were for learning and I wanted to work with the best people and I needed to, in, in, in especially in hospitality, if you if you start working with the bad bad group or a bad manager, it's it's toxic. You know, you'll be you'll be out of hospitality very soon. Mm. And as soon as I, I, I heard Vincent, I, there was something that was that I really admired about him and I wanted I wanted to do what he was doing. And that was simple as, you know, I made my decision there in a split second. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh, over to Exclusive. Yeah, so I'd worked my way up with, with Sofitel. Um, I'd put in, put in hard graft there and an opportunity came up in the Side Lodge Hotel as a restaurant manager at the Camellia restaurant there. What had detracted me there was Stephen Edwards was the head chef and he had just won MasterChef The Professionals. And I got a call from David Connell asking if I'd be interested in coming over. And I went down as a mystery guest and ate in the restaurant and absolutely stunning. I don't know if, if, you've, if you've been to the property, but it's it's just outside Horsham there and it's just facing the South Downs. It's a lovely, lovely venue property, real foodie, real kind of old world hospitality and just stunning everything stunning about it so fell in love with the property as soon as i went there and well, i um, mean david david connell's not exactly a, a slouch in the old hospitality realm either is he no well again it was, it was um i wasn't sure if i was going to because i spoke to vincent and he obviously told me not to go and he'd he he wanted me to continue working with him and that's you know him and Surinder had had earmarked me as as a future GM of one of their properties, so it was a very tough decision to make. And when I met David Connell, that was that kind of secured that that was the right thing to do for a couple of years. And you know, the Sofitel in London Heathrow was was very corporate. I learned a hell of a lot about business and managing P and Ls and managing managing wages um, and watching watching costs. But at the same time, it wasn't. It was it was five star hotel, but it wasn't um, it wasn't the height of luxury, if that makes sense. I think I needed I needed something else that was more, you know, your couples, your families, and your your more fine fine dining, if that makes sense. Just to just to round off my experience, really. So took the job after meeting David, and uh, yeah, again another guy I wanted to learn from and I wanted to work with. He had great passion for the business and for the property, and he, he, when he talked about the goals that he wanted to achieve um, in South Lodge, it was fantastic, um, and I wanted to be a part of it. So yeah, Stephen Edwards was the head chef. He just won Master Chef, so the restaurant went from I don't know maybe twenty thirty covers a night to to being sold out every single night of the week. You didn't have a down downtime in it. And it was tough. There's, there's no doubt about it. We were doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you know we'd, we, we didn't exactly have a full team in place. We were trying to recruit people. It was hard to get people out in that area, especially good people. And anybody who was good would come, 
you'd just have them trained up and then a year later they'd be sniped off to to a fancy restaurant in london you know right um, yeah so yeah that that came that came with a different challenges in terms of management but i loved it i learned a lot in terms of you know fine dining in terms of wine in terms of food and um, mac Gillen was the the head chef the other head chef there in the, in the past restaurants so i did a good few shifts in with him as well and it was absolutely amazing the stuff that that we were creating there between the service the food the wine was something something completely different there was interviews with bbc stephen edwards was had a camera in his face every fucking day of the week um and it was it was brilliant it was cool to be part of and it was good fun and we worked our absolute asses off but it was it was great you know yeah the thing about working your ass off is that i think this is something that we we talk a lot about now right in the the industry that people are out looking for work-life balance etc etc and i totally get it like you know you have to do have some kind of balance but at the same time if you're surrounded by people who care deeply about what they do and you all get on brilliantly together and you're all pushing and pulling in the same direction then you know it's just a wonderful place to be isn't it like i mean so in many ways yes of course the hours will tell you it's work but actually what you're doing while you're there is not work because you're just basically helping a group of mates achieve something really really cool yeah, well, look, it was a good time for me. Um, look, I wouldn't do it now. Um, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense, I've I've been through it. Uh, I was twenty four, twenty five at the time. I didn't have I didn't have any kids, and that that was my life. You know, as as sad as it was. Um, but we had a good like like that. There was there was some great lads that we were working with that we were all pulling together to achieve something, and there was that sense of camaraderie and that sense of team trying to trying to you know get three rosettes and trying to get Mitch and stars and you know it was a and it was a fantastic hotel to work in you know Danny um Danny was a great great leader from the top as well so there was always again I was learning and you know every 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 day every month I was getting better I was getting better at managing people I was getting I was upskilling as well so I was on the right path absolutely so how did it progress from there so at that stage, my goal was always to become a general manager of a five-star hotel by the time I was 30. And I was I was on the right right track for that. Um, you know, we were, t- we were talking about, you know, me taking on the, the food and beverage side of things and in with David. And I actually won, it was the Acorn Scholarship at the time. And yeah, it was, that was, a, that was, that kind of, that was another kind of change in path in my career. So that was basically, you know, they, they do the Acorn you know um top 30 under 30 awards this was something that was just underneath that that was just one winner and it was it was basically again a kind of like a most likely to to succeed to do something in the industry yeah so i won that when i was with when i was with exclusive hotels and part one of the guys on the judging panel was a guy called james Haller. he owns ego restaurants and 360 restaurants in london and he started latasca um and built that up from two restaurants to 66 or 65 restaurants before he sold it he was involved in frankie and benny's guy that patisserie valley he's everything himself and luke johnson and um i ended up spending a bit of time trying to pick his brains afterwards there was kind of like a dinner on it and i ended up sitting beside him and i was chatting away to him and it was one of those moments i need to work for this man right so i handed i handed him 
Uh, I got his number and I kept <laughs> calling him and I sent him so many emails. I said I sent him six or seven emails. He never got back to me. I ended up... Um, yeah, I ended up, chasing him down. <laughs> yeah, I ended up chasing him down he eventually agreed to meet me for for breakfast in london so i got the train in that day and um met him met him in a place in london i was just again i was just asking for advice and wanted to wanted to see what he had achieved and love what he what he was doing and his whole i just everything about him he, he inspired me so I met him for breakfast and i was just i'd say i was like a giddy child at christmas um, asking him so many questions and everything else and one thing he said to me he questioned my goals he said because my, my aim was always to become a general manager of five star hotel before I was 30 and then I wanted to go on and open my own business whether it was a hotel or restaurant whatever else and I felt I needed to get to the general manager position to have the ex- complete experience to then go on and open my own place mm. so he questioned that straight away and he said well why do you need to be a general manager in a five-star hotel to then go on and open your own business he said what you need to do is actually learn how to run a business now i thought jeez that's all right um so he said oh look there's there's loads of different things you, you should go away and have a think about it so i went away and I, I i emailed him that night and said listen i want to work for you the next opportunity that comes up that you think is suitable just put me anywhere and he said yeah okay no problem and didn't think anything else of it went 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 back to work and two weeks later he called me and he said listen i've uh I've got a general manager's position in a place in his ego restaurants in Kenilworth. And I just automatically said, yeah, absolutely. I'll be there. No problem. And he goes, do you know where it is? I said, absolutely no idea. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So it turns out it was just outside Birmingham. (laughs) Right. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, So um, ended up leaving exclusive hotels and went to work with James. Jesus. It was world. It was just a big eye opener gone from, from doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and all focus on service and attention to detail, to all of a sudden become general manager of of our, you know, it was probably a ninety seater restaurant, running a team of probably about thirty people, and having absolutely no support. You know, James would James would check in, James would check in maybe once every two months, three months. Um, there was an area manager who who would who would oversee all the restaurants. I think there were seven or eight at the time. Um, so he was in and out and he would have been on the phone if I needed anything but I absolutely loved it it was like I was given the keys to my own my own business do you know yeah um, sounds like it it was fantastic it really was I had full control of P&L I had full control of spending costs I could do anything um, and I, I grabbed it I think the restaurant was turning maybe 16, 16 17,000 a week at the, at the time and you know, I got it up to 30,000 fairly quickly just getting out and about in the community and trying new things and being on site and yeah I really relished it and it was going really 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 well. That's that entrepreneurial spirit kicking in again isn't it that you're, you're like as you say it, it felt like it's your own place you've got the keys you can you can do stuff and if especially if somebody who's kind of I suppose I get once again seen something in you because it's a very different environment to go from a place like South Lodge into a place like that, which is you know pumping and and you know doing those kind of figures. Um, and as you say, you don't have the luxury of a support network that you're kind of you're it. You've got to make this happen. Yeah, no, it was um, it was brilliant, and do you know what? I learned so much from doing that. If like if at the time I felt like I was going down in standards and I was going down in 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 uh, the career path, and there was a lot of people in hotels that were looking at me, thinking I was absolutely gone fucking mad, you know. But 
I loved it. I loved. I was able to bring a lot from the from the hotel side of stuff and from the fine dining side of stuff into that casual dining thing. That's that just worked. You know, it's a small attention to detail things that that was always been missed in the casual dining restaurants. You know, just just making sure the staff were a little bit better presented and taking care of just making sure that you know instead of just dropping bottles of water at the table they were served and they were poured and you know small small things but there was stuff that customers remembered and came back and it was very easy to improve service which ultimately improved the restaurant and everything else you know um so it was it was brilliant and it was i was so very heavily involved in budgets and forecasting and it just opened my eyes to the to the business world behind it, if that makes sense. And that's exactly yeah. what James wanted to get out of me. He said, like, you, you know, you kind of got the service. Now you need to figure out how to how to go and run a restaurant, you know? Yeah. So let me ask you a, a deep question then on the on the back of that. The, that goal that you had around becoming a, a five-star hotel GM by the time you're 30, do you think that was your goal or do you think that was... Uh, kind of an imprinted goal from the world that you just happened to find yourself in? It was definitely the latter. Do you know what what it really was, I think, was I was trying to prove everybody in Shannon that I could get to the top, if that makes sense. You know, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was always drilled into you in Shannon College that, you know, we were the next general managers, you know, um, and that was that was the that was your Everest to get to, you know, and um, yeah. I suppose that was that was what I wanted to. It was yeah, that was drilled into me, and I was like, well, I can I can get to that. I'll I'll work my ass off, and I'll prove to you as I can get there. Do you know? Yeah. So it was more about the, the that principle of uh, somebody, especially in the early stages, doesn't believe you can do something. I'm gonna I'm gonna prove you wrong. Hundred percent. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, we come across this a lot, right? Because um, I, I think a lot of times you're what's there's a, a saying isn't there around you are uh a, a product of the five people you spend the most time with or something like that yeah 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 um so if you're spending a lot of time time with hotel people then the the fact of the matter is is that that's probably going to imprint on you a little bit and that you're yeah I, this is what i i want but a lot of the time and this is this is just generally this is not a a, a dig at hotels in any way shape or form because people do find their own goals in that environment for sure but I think it, what I really like about your story to this point is the fact that you've you've kind of gone where you've seen inspiration so you've been inspired by certain people Vincent to start with then Danny and David and now James and you know and all of the while you're actually you're following the inspiration as opposed to following the grand goal if you like because Maybe at this time as well, you're still quite young, right? So you're, yeah, you're still trying to find your way, really, in terms of what is the thing that truly ignites you. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, look, I think, I think, you know, having my own place was always in the back of my mind, and that was always, you know, a goal that I was going to try and strive for. But I was clever enough that I needed to, I needed to get the experience from the right people, you know, and you know, between Vincent, Danny, David, and and James. Jesus, you couldn't get a better four or five people to, to yeah. learn from uh, in yeah. the industry, you know. Um, and that's given me the backing to go on and, and and make rocks all the success. But yeah, they they gave me invaluable lessons and invaluable skills and you know nuggets along the way that I've never forgotten. 
um, and I've always, you know, I suppose it's it's built my character in in management and in leadership, and that's what I've always modelled it off. You know, I've take, tried to take the best sides of their leadership style and, and make it into my own, if that makes sense. You know, five star hospitality means having the right people in the right place at the right time, and that's exactly where RotorCloud can help. RotorCloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors, recording attendance, and managing annual leave easy. Its simple drag-and-drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes. While our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out. RotorCloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts, all through the RotorCloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was a fantastic journey throughout the UK. And, yeah, we ended up spending, spending nine, ten years, ten years over there nearly. Yeah, so you're uh, in Warwickshire now. That's where the, we are in the story. What, what, yeah. How long were you there and, and what happened next? I was there for two years and at the time there was kind of an urge to go home and settle down and start a family. I, I, it was it was one of those things I'd been offered. I'd been offered another job within Ego to kind of oversee two or three sites. And I was, it was if I if I'd taken it on, it was going to be another two or three years at least that's, that I would have needed to put onto it. But I also got a call from a crowd back in Minute in Ireland who had a hotel and they had an old nightclub beside it and they basically wanted to, to to put in a restaurant or a cafe or something in there. I didn't really know what he wanted to do. He was more of a builder, of investor kind of thing. And they were looking for somebody to come in and, and figure it out. So I got in that call and something that I, I, had, I hadn't done in my career to date was, was a new opening. Um, and I figured that was the last piece of the puzzle that I needed to do before I could go off and open my own place. And I talked to James a couple of times about, you know, bringing Ego over to Ireland and if I could, if I could take that and bring it over and things like that. Um, but never really, never more than just a, a, you know, a chat over a coffee sort of thing, you know. So I ended up, ended up pulling out of, uh, pulling out of Ego. Met James, came down to my house one day, and and you know thought I was making a mistake and asked me to ask me to stay and stuff but it was probably the right time and I'd learned a hell of a lot uh from from James and from Ego and yeah I was I was going in again like like that given given the keys and given I went into an old dingy nightclub in this place in Minutes um with old sticky carpets and bars that I think, oh, don't think had been open for for 10 years nearly do you know that kind of way yeah, yeah. Um, Did you, were you thinking, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> no, I was, I was loving it. I was really? absolutely right. loving it. I was licking my lips. I couldn't wait to get in. It was, it was fantastic. And your man said, look, he said, there's a huge space here. We need to do something when there's something to do at a restaurant or cafe or something. He goes, I don't fucking know. You know, throw a few ideas at me and see, see what we see what happens. So. That was a place called Show the Market Cafe. We ended up, um, and I project managed it from construction to opening to being a general manager then. And we kind of, I kind of modeled it off the Avoca style, where it was kind of a big eatery, but had a bit of retail area, retail space, had a little grab and go coffee area, and then had a, had a full kind of food service menu from the kitchen as well. 
and geez, there must have been about 120, 130 seats in it. And we did a kind of rustic feel to it, and uh, oh, it was, it was brilliant, you know, to be involved in every single like decision in terms of where we're putting the plug sockets, the lights, you know, the decor, the chairs, the signage, all of that kind of stuff was invaluable. Um, yeah. So we kind of spent the first year. The first year was really, you know, kind of developing that and trying to figure out what we were going to do and hiring the team and getting the uniforms right and doing all that. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was something new. I hadn't done it before. I'd always been anywhere I'd been before. I was given the blueprint. I was like, this is this is how we operate, you know, whereas now I was creating the blueprint. And yeah, we opened it up and it was it was a great success. Um, so I ended up spending a year and a half there, two years nearly, and I'd gone to them and said, my, my whole aim was I told them I wanted to, to kind of either buy into it if it was a second one and, and kind of roll it out, or I wanted to open my own place, you know. So I was 28 at the time and I approached, I approached them and said, listen, there's some other sites coming up around Dublin and stuff. I think we, I think we, sh we should go again and I'd love to invest in it at this point and, you know, take take part ownership of it and mm. they were kind of like, yeah yeah maybe yeah i think you need another six months or so so i said okay no problem put another six months into the into the place brought it up again and i said right here's five places now that i think will will thrive and they they turned around basically and said well we're not going to put the investment into it like you know so i said fuck it anyway um <laughs> basically <laughs> <laughs> and started looking for my own place so i'm from a little village outside dundalk called black rock at the time we'd bought a house up up in minute which is probably about an hour and a half away we had our first kid jack and i was 29 so my goal was to have the place by five by the time i was 30 hmm. and so i started looking around i met a guy called connor hughes down here who had a music shop in the village uh, I'd actually came back and I met a guy called Paddy Sands one Christmas. I was back home and he owns Illy Coffee in Ireland. And um, he's the main distributor for it and it's a huge big business here based in Dundalk. And I was just throwing around some ideas. I said, I'd love to open my own place and blah, blah, blah. And he said, geez, I think Connor down the road has gone gone for planning for mission for something. So it was the, it was actually, it was Christmas Eve or it was, or it was the 26th and I went and knocked on his door and he didn't answer and I knocked again and eventually he answered and I said I heard you're you're putting something in he's like yeah yeah no I'm going for planning permission but I keep getting rejected blah 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 so I just said well look I'll, I'll, I'm your man who's going to take it on and he said what and I said yeah look look I'm running a place in Shoda, in Minute here at the moment it's called Shoda come down and check it out and it was literally a probably a minute conversation he didn't know who I was at the time. I didn't know him, and I just said, "Yeah, that's that's the location. That's where that's where I need to be." It's lovely seafront in in the village I grew up in, so I would have had the buy-in from everybody straight away, and it just it just seemed to make sense. And didn't think anything else of it. That he was struggling to get planning permission. There was a lot of people objecting to it, and I was still working through my notice period and showed I was still trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And probably a month later hadn't spoken to Connor since that day I knocked on his door on, on Stephen's day and um he just rocked in walked into the into the cafe all of a sudden and said I'm here to check it out we got planning permission through um and I said all right um and he said are you ready to go and I said yep yeah, let's do it so yeah that was uh that was the start of the start of Roxalt really I took on the lease without 
signing anything without doing anything and um I trusted him and we 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 went to work and he he was involved in a lot of the fit out at the start and yeah it was basically just get it up and running for August time and um we fitted out the kitchen we did everything nearly like again what a project managing showed up but this is my own money now that I was putting into it and yeah I was scrimping and saving I was checking every every bloody envelope <laughs> that that came in and yeah from we created Rockstar we opened up in in August and I suppose the rest is history with a queue out the door from 10 a.m that morning right yeah 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 well here we are again another situation whereby you've just kind of I suppose being bold throwing yourself at it actually gone into a, another environment whereby you've taken maybe the lessons of previous where you went into an environment where you didn't have a lot of support so once again now I mean yes of course there's going to be support in bits and pieces bits and bits and pieces here and there but but in actual fact you're just you've absolutely put your money where your mouth is and now the buck stops and starts with you right it's um it, it's I suppose you're all in you've got to make this work yeah, hundred percent. Like I'd taken everything I owned um, and put and put it into it. There was forty thousand we needed to fit it out. I actually called James James Holder at one point and I asked him for thirty grand, and I was going to give him forty percent of the business. And he was we were going back and forth a little bit, and I was just waiting for I was waiting to get equity out of out of the house that I'd bought and things like that. So I wasn't sure if it was going to happen or not. Um, and James was I suppose my my kind of backup and. You know, just just the last minute, the, the the money came through, and I didn't need to to take anything off James. So, yeah, I still I still own the business hundred percent myself, thankfully. And uh, yeah, yeah, he uh, he still gives me a bit of advice here and there and stuff. But uh, thankfully, I didn't have to didn't have to take a penny off him. But um, no, it was, it was one of those things. You threw everything at it. Look, I had a young kid at the time. Jack was only second one, I think. And yeah, I went and threw everything I owned into into rock salts. Remember the first, the first week we 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 had a, we had a few issues because obviously it was an old building and there was always something pipe bursting during the construction side of it or something that needed to be done and you know we were, it was always being put back so we had stuff stuff ordered and came in and stuff coming in too early before it was ready and all that kind of stuff so we actually had um, we were supposed to open three or four days prior to when we actually opened so. My head chef at the time was a, was a guy, uh, Connor Prendergast, who's still with me now, still still our head chef in Blackrock, and a guy I used to play football with when I was a kid. Um, and I actually just met him in the gym one day and asked him what he was doing, and he said he was a chef in a three-rose-out restaurant. So I said, well, do you want to come and be a cafe chef? And he said, yeah, feck it, let's do it. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So we were able to create something absolutely completely different and unique. We so Yeah, so we were planning to open it the week before we actually opened, and we couldn't get a water supply or something anyway and it was it was pushed back but we had our first delivery of all the food we needed from from our suppliers had had arrived in and we had it all in um connor the landlord had had a small little little house beside it and um we had it all shoved in his fridges and freezers and stuff in we we converted his living room into um a little a little storeroom for ourselves so we went away from the week. We went away for the weekend, or he went away, or something anyway. And we were supposed to open on the Friday. We came back on the Tuesday or Wednesday, 
um, to get prepped up and get ready to go. The water was fixed and everything was on. And the feckin' Egypt, um, his electricity at the time in the house was just on a card meter. So it had to be topped up and it cut off. So there was two days where every, all our, our, our whole opening stock, our whole inventory was in the fridges and freezers and stuff like that. And yeah, we came into an awful smell the, two days later and everything was gone off. Um, and we had to reorder everything again to come in the next day and try and prep it all up. But I had no money. I had no money to pay for it. Right. And I had to, I had to give the driver uh, a check on the Friday, on the, sorry, on the Thursday, we were opening on the Friday. And I said, please don't, don't cash that till Monday. <laughs> I oh, said, there's hell. nothing in it, <laughs> you know. So thankfully he gave, he left us to have the order and he gave us all our, all our stuff. But that was the smallest margins of completely bust or not. We were nearly bust before we even opened. Um, yeah. Wrote him a check. He cashed it on the Monday. We opened on the Friday. Didn't know how it was going to go. And we sold out of food at 12 o'clock on Friday. We had to close the kitchen for two hours and try prep up again and run to supermarkets and it was a success from the first second we opened the door Phil it was just incredible right and why do you think that is why do you think there was such this this outpouring of support uh I suppose you know it's there's always that shiny new thing element but then I suppose you you know you've just got yourself a rosetta chef as well which I suppose helps uh, yeah. In terms of the the quality of the food, but yeah, how how did how does it all come together in the face of what feels like probably is a really high stress situation for you if you're basically, you know, maneuvering around the fact that you don't really have any cash flow. So you know, uh, yeah, describe how you how do you make something of a success when you're in the face of all that stress? Um, something I was always I was always quite good at just just putting your head down and just just getting on with things and you're distracted by a thousand different things so not having any money in the bank was was the least of my distractions if that makes sense um right. probably should have been my whole distraction and my whole thing but <laughs> i don't know i kind of had to i i backed myself you know and i backed connor and i backed i knew what we were doing was going to be right and i knew it was going to come good we were doing something completely different there was nothing there was nothing like it certainly where in Black Rock or Dundalk at the time, you couldn't, you couldn't get a bloody artisan coffee. You couldn't get a, you couldn't get a tulip or a floret in a coffee. Never mind a swan or something like that. You know, people didn't know what it was back then. As yeah. only six years ago, like you'd be lucky to get in Dublin at the time. You know, so I, I'd come back from 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 London and um, you know, had had worked in all these these fantastic places to come back um and. You know, people were used to fucking Nescafe, and that's the kind of coffee they were drinking. Right. And the food they were eating was just big farmers' fries that you know tasted of nothing. If that makes sense, you know that was what yeah. that was the cafes we were up against at the time. Mm. So when we came and we did fucking amazing coffee, we created our own blend. It was Brazil, Sumatran, and Kenyan coffee, and we, you know, it was the the attention was in the detail. Um, we did every, we put a twist on everything. So. The whole ethos in Roxalt was to create that five-star experience in a far more casual environment. So it was taking what myself and Connor had, had learned from from the hotel side of things and from the fine dining side of stuff and keep all those touch points of service and those attention to details in the food and the coffee and the quality. 
but do it so much more relaxed instead of saying oh good morning sir madame may i take your jacket it's well phil what's the crack are you having a cappuccino do you know right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i will and, by the way yes yeah yeah <laughs> um and that and that that was the ethos from the start and it just it just worked and you know, people people coming in just thought we were just a normal cafe. We didn't we didn't shout about that quality at the start. So anybody came in and you know we 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 did everything with a twist. You know, we'd we'd Cornell black pudding sandwiches that had poached eggs and burnt apple puree through it and wilted spinach and crispy kale on it. You know, and people didn't know what the fuck crispy kale was. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but when they tried it, they were they were gobsmacked. They thought it was it was unreal. Do you know. Yeah, and it was just word of mouth. We were doing something different. We were creating waves, and um, it was brilliant. It was really, really good. And people, you know, every fucker that came in was asking for extra hot fucking coffee at the time, and we wouldn't do it, you know. And we just kept kept the quality, kept the consistency, and you know, people started to appreciate the quality and started to appreciate what we were trying to do, and. Um, like that, it, there was there was something missing, you know. Black Rock was a wealthy, a well-to-do area as well, and it was right in the seaside, and there was plenty of people commuting up and down to Dublin, and they were craving something like that, and and we got it at the right time, and yeah, we've been we've been able to grow it ever since. Yeah, so that that was site one. Yeah. At what point did you start to think, okay, this is something we can replicate, or at least we have a blueprint to a foundational blueprint to then see what other things we can maybe try in other markets it was always in the back of my head that it was like again i was i wasn't going to run uh I, I was never going to just run one cafe of of one small cafe at the time it was tiny like we only had 20 seats maybe uh we had a big open kitchen you know everything we did was attention to detail in the decor we we converted an old horse uh, an old kind of stable into our kitchen you know that was the path the kitchen path and we got these old prison doors from an Indian prison that that went down to the toilet and like everything was just rustic and different. So anytime you sat down and you're looking around, there was something new and exciting. You're like, Jesus, where'd they get that? Or what's, how did they get come up with this? So everything was, it, it, the thing was in the detail, but for me, it was always get it up and run and get it right and, and expand and replicate it. It was I, you know, I'd I'd run big restaurants. I'd run run my own businesses nearly at that point, um, for other people. But I had full control of them, and I was I wasn't going back to run a twenty seater cafe if that makes sense. Um, yeah. but that was the stepping stone to 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 fire on and become a big, you know, create a bigger business. But I had to get it right, and I had to figure out what what we needed to do if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, we lit we lived and breathed it for probably two a year a year into into black rock we expanded it we expanded black rock so we've, we've doubled the size of it since then and we bought into a place in dundalk uh which was a 90 seater restaurant and we were flying at the time we'd queues out the door every day of the week and you know people just couldn't get couldn't get into it it was it was that popular it was it was brilliant absolutely amazing and so a site came up in dundalk probably a year and a half later and again, jumped in, jumped into it two feet and just said, yeah, fuck it, let's give it a go. Got the money together the night before, did a deal, took it on the next day. And wow. um, yeah, didn't look back. Um, it was trading as an old restaurant. It was failing. It was in the, it was lovely building. It's the old print works in Dundalk, which used to run the newspapers. Yeah, the restaurant just, it just hadn't, hadn't never taken off. 
everybody thought I was fucking mad doing it. My mum, my mum begged me not to do it as well, but it just just thought it was going to work, you know. And didn't didn't actually tell anybody. I think I just jumped in and kind of said, "Oh, we own that now, by the way," <laughs> um, sort of thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, we the whole idea was to slowly rebrand it, slowly get people in. So we operated for four months under it used to be called the Reva, Reva Restaurant at the time, and we slowly started introducing rock salts coffee and rock salts dishes into the menu so we had a whole we had a new brand new team and maybe 30 30 people or so that we had to train up we had to get the quality right and the consistency so we did it under this other brand which we didn't really care about so we weren't we knew i knew you couldn't just walk in and and get it right from day one and train a whole new staff and everything else so we just did it bit by bit and improved the quality improved consistency and when i was ready we changed the name over the door and we put rock salt on and we changed the menus and we changed the decor slightly and we opened for four days and then we got shut down with COVID. Oh God. I was wondering when this would come into the story. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's part of everybody's story now, isn't it? The, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, um, and of course I have only the visual really of, what happened here in the UK, but how how was that period in, in Ireland? Um yeah, it was shite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was uh but you know, I I thrived on it. It's strange, yeah. COVID was the best thing that ever happened to us, uh in a in a weird way. Gave us time to kind of reevaluate the business. It gave us time to relook at things. We'd actually had we'd put hatch windows into BlackRock at the very start um beside our coffee machine to do takeaway coffees on the beach and stuff like that and i couldn't get anybody to fucking stand at the window <laughs> it's mad right. nobody would nobody would get a coffee back in 2018 when we first opened they all wanted to come inside and all of that sort of stuff so covid covid came in obviously we got shut down and i remember coming home and thinking geez what am i going to do we'd just taken on dundalk we were were stuck in a huge lease there it was big payments to be made we had a team of probably about 40 people at the time uh on the books and every again everything that we'd made from blackrock i'd put in to to buy dundalk so we were we were right down on on the financial side of stuff so to be fair both both my landlords were really supportive and they they've they stopped the rent straight away and they were like look you'll get through it just keep your head down nobody knew what was going on at the time mm-hmm. yeah. but went home went home the day we closed and i said fuck this i'm not letting it beat me and um i said right let's let's get to work let's let's do something and i yeah the next morning we went back we opened up the hatch window we started serving takeaway coffees we started doing food takeaway um and we just completely transformed the model and albeit we cut the staff and right down and we we were able to we actually were able we probably made more money during covid than we did any other year and because nobody everybody else was afraid of their shite and fucking closed do you know that kind of way so we were the only ones open and we ended up uh there was nothing you couldn't get anything at the time um thinking back on it now it's 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 not how how quick it was look i was young and i was partly naive at the time as well and still hungry and wanted you know the business had to be a success um and i wasn't going to let this beat me and it was an even playing field the way i looked at it, it was everybody was shut down and everybody was in the same boat so it wasn't just yeah. impacting on 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 us you know yeah and how did you find your edge yeah the the usp at that point if everybody else is closed down is that well we'll be open 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's it. And we we converted our our website straight away. The next morning, I got on to a, a fella in IT, and we, we put an online shop on our website straight away. We were selling our coffee. I was driving around driving around the county dropping coffee bags to 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 people's doors and you know yeah, we just did anything really we put the hatch windows in both places and we started serving takeaway coffees and sandwiches and things like that all um contactless if that makes sense and yeah. straight out the window nobody was coming inside you, you couldn't sit down but it was all that and then <laughs> when all the takeaways closed we decided to to flip the flip the restaurant into a takeaway model and we started um putting together every thursday friday and saturday like um a, kind of a take on a chinese chinese restaurant but just better quality chinese takeaway basically and we did like your beef stroganoff so we did your crispy chili chicken dishes we did hot chicken and garlic but but with our own twist on it and um <laughs> Yeah, we at one point we we built we just put it out on Instagram and here's our menu for the week, guys. Pre-order and we'll drop it out into your houses and we had time slots that people could we just leave it at the door and they they'd pay over the phone. And um, geez, at one time we had six drivers on the road, <laughs> going wow. around delivering delivering food out to people. It was it was incredible. So all those kind of things we just kept kept at it and kept doing something new. You know, we were doing pancake boxes, we were doing brunch boxes, we were you know we we ended up doing bottle cocktails and yeah it was it was that entrepreneurial spirit i suppose just came out in 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 droves then you know yeah absolutely well i mean we'll park that time because nobody likes to talk about it but in actual fact your story through that period sounds like a, a little bit of a success story and and also you know like leads to I, I guess some kind of evolution that some of which you keep moving forwards uh, and some of it is just for that time. But um, so, what what have you now built Rock Salt into? What what do you currently have, and where? So we have uh, we've got six six sites as of as of this week. Actually, we opened opened another one actually um, just yesterday. That was number six. And yeah, we've got three, four, four main cafes. We we also created a little Rock Salt concept this this summer. Um, we were always baking our own goods and stuff like that. And we had a dark kitchen and the premises came up in, in Black Rock right next door to where our main rock salt is. And we took that on and we put a little kind of express takeaway model in there. So we have our bakery, we do fresh pastries, uh, cinnamon swirls, all that kind of stuff. And, and we're doing a, a quick kind of grab and go um, sandwich and wrap offering and our coffee and um so we have two of those now we've 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 another dock in the gym as well that's that does your coffee and your treats and your energy balls and all that kind of stuff and then we've got three full service uh cafes which sit down and yeah we started off with a team of oh, uh, five five people i think there was a couple of part-timers in and out as well and geez i'd say we're we're, we're over 80 80 to 90 people now at the moment Right, 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 right. And well, and what does the future hold? I assume you, I get the feeling that you're not a guy that likes to stand still. So no. I'm, I'm assuming you'll have more plans uh, in the future. But I guess at the, at the moment, your focus has got to be to make sure that you get your, your most recent one up and running and firing. Yeah, 100%. Look, my my job role has changed so much over the last couple of years. It's 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 been I'm still still trying to figure out where where I should be doing and what I should be doing, do you know that kind of way. But we have an operations manager in now who runs the cafes for me. I've got a head of coffee who makes sure who goes around all the sites and makes sure you know the 
the coffee all is done and make sure the baristas are skilled and up to speed and that the consistency is there and i also have a trainer who who focuses on the service side of stuff now um who, who was a general manager for us before is now goes around the sites and make sure that the training and that people are inducted properly and everybody's been looked after and we've got we've got an executive chef we've got two other head chefs as well we've got a really really strong team around me um which is is brilliant and allows us to drive on and 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 keep pushing um we were looking at opening another site now probably probably just before the end of this year so that'll be number seven um wow. and again it's just it's just about hiring the right people and and putting them in the right the right areas it's all all about people and consistency and you know people who want to come along with the journey so where we'll take it i don't know but as long as i can keep the quality and the consistency in the product i'll keep pushing and keep driving it on i want to keep learning i want to keep growing i would there's there's part of me that would love to bring it back to the uk and 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 bring it in there but um, yeah, there's still there's still quite a bit to do here first. But um, yeah, it's it's exciting times, and look, I'm I I really enjoy it, and you know I've got two boys now, four and six, Jack and Louis, and they love being around it, and they're in and out of it, and you can see them, they're excited by, it and they love rock salt, and you know it's 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 kind of proud so i want to build up something for them as well and um that's kind of driving me on as well at the moment at the same time you know yeah 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 well you've not got a lot going on then have you it's um just, uh, <laughs> but you know busy is good but what i really love about your your journey all the way through kind of comes back to that that very first moment that you kind of got in vincent's face uh you know yeah. there's this there's this boldness to what you're you're doing boldness kind of in everything that you're you're doing but equally there's this thirst there's a, an inquisitive nature to what you do and you know a, a thirst for learning and all of that so for for me from the outside looking in it feels like you have the blueprint if there is such a thing for for success and and I'm, I'm sure that you know there'll be ups and downs through that that process COVID being an initial down but turned into an up but the fact of the matter is if you're bold and inquisitive I think you've got the basic skill set to thrive in pretty much most environments i'd say yeah yeah absolutely and there's definitely been ups and downs we had we had another side on we took a place in carlingford which is a lovely place just on the lock but it, it turned out it wasn't the right site for us you know we've um there was a first i suppose failure in 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 the business and and again i learned so much from that uh, we ran that for two years and we just couldn't get the consistency. We just couldn't get the product right in it. Um, and we just pulled out there last summer or just at the end of this summer. And yeah, it cost us to get out, but, and it was a costly lesson, but I just didn't have the passion for it. The location wasn't right. The building wasn't right. And it was one of those things at the time that I used to just say yes to everything and bulled into everything. And, you know, in hindsight, looking back, it was definitely just naive of me and it was never it was never the right location for us and you know hand on heart i could say it probably wasn't going to work unless i was there 60 70 hours a week you know which which i couldn't do whatever with all the rest of the business going on so mm. there was also that i suppose not I, i've never been afraid to fail either and you know it was kind of like right this isn't working we need to get out of it and we need to focus on other areas and we can grow in different areas and like now we're getting we're probably getting every week there's probably another location somebody asking us to go in and somebody want to bring Roxall to 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 somewhere so i'm a lot more clued in in terms of where we need to go and what we want to do and the right people to work with and i suppose carlingford was was definitely a learning curve in that 
that you know we we learn from our mistakes and we move on and you know we've turned down a couple of places on the back of that because I've seen what happened in Carlingford and I wasn't fully committed so unless I really have that passion and that drive and that I suppose that that giddiness when when I see a place we we, we won't look at it you know that kind of way yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to have the spark, right? There's got to be something that ignites within you as the leader of the of the business. But then if you've got the ignition for something, then that's going to come across to the people you're talking to about it as well, right? 100%, yeah, absolutely. And look, it's, it's, in the end of the day, the buck stops with me and I need, I need to be, be on my game and I need to be 100% you know, back what we're doing. And then, you know, everybody else can challenge me and that's the way I want it to be. Like, I'm... I lead by example. My management style was always muck in and get whatever job is done. But um, and I lead from the front. But we've created a fantastic culture within the team. Whereas anybody can pull me like, Dan, <laughs> you made it. You made the wrong call here. Or, Why the fuck did you do that? You know, um, yeah. and it's brilliant because we're all in it together. You know, um, yeah. and you know, there's nobody above anybody in in the whole business. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't let you go without asking you uh, about something that uh, was on your sh- your sheet, which got okay. me really intrigued. Uh, it's about a wedding cake. Oh. Uh, <laughs> talk to me about the wedding cake. Yeah, so yeah, this probably when I, I was still in college at the time. I was working. Uh, I was working in a dare in a hotel there. Yeah, I, I would have been the the barman. I would have come in at you know two three o'clock, served the dinner, and then jumped on the bar for the night. And it was a real wedding-focused place. Um, and there was a wedding on the Friday night. I was working in the bar. And the the groom came up to me and said, oh, listen, my mom's going to bed. Would you cut a slice of the wedding cake for her you know, that she can bring up with her? And I said, absolutely, no problem. Went into the back, into the cold room, into the kitchen. Picked up the first fucking bit of cake that I saw. Put a huge big fucking chunk into it and gave her a huge big generous portion Feck it, it was uh, it was the groom's mother you know and um there you go mary off to bed good night now see you so didn't think anything else of it the next morning the general manager the owner of the hotel i woke up to fucking nine o'clock in the morning probably five six seven missed calls from him i was thinking that's weird i wasn't i'm not supposed to be in till 12 o'clock and um eventually got him on the phone and he says you little bollocks what the fuck did you do last night we're after putting up the cake and uh for today's wedding and there's a big chunk cut out of it oh god so it turns out i cut the i cut the wrong wedding cake <laughs> oh jesus yeah. yeah so we had to we had to call a a, a, a baker in or a pastry chef or something to come in and when I, when I got in at 12 o'clock the cake was lovely displayed on the on the on the wall but um yeah and had to be re-iced on the side because i'd it said congratulations brian and mary and i cut mary out of it and <laughs> given it to the, the other one and uh yeah so there was a big plant in the middle of the in the middle of the cake where i'd cut a big hole in it to try and hide it <laughs> My life, yeah, yeah, God. yeah. So, Imagine, if- yeah. There's a few, few little funny moments on that, and um, yeah, there was, yeah, always a few, few good ones going up. Um, but that was one that's that's yeah, I uh, I still get slagged about now today. Do you know? Yeah, probably. Yeah, brings back your PTSD about wedding cakes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, good man. All right. Um, final question before I let you go. Um. For anybody that's listening, what would be your three main reasons as to why somebody should come into hospitality? I mean, geez, your story is a 
I mean, there's so many reasons just that I have in my head as to why somebody should come on the back of here and what you, you've kind of done and been through. But from your own perspective, what would be the three main ones? The main thing is every, every day is different. It's for me, what it really attracted me to hospitality was the people and that's, there's kind of flexibility that you never know who's going to walk in the door, what story you're going to be talking about or what's, you know, good things, bad things, what, what oven's going to go down, how you're going to react to that, if electricity goes, blah, blah, blah. There's a hundred different ways that, that the day can change from one minute to the next and you'd never get that if you're working in insurance or in an office job or in a doctor's surgery or anything like that. You know, I just absolutely love that. I also think hospitality, even if, and I say this to any any kind of colleges or any students I, I talk to, even if hospitality isn't where you want to go long term, I think it's a fantastic industry to start off and you get it. You, you have so many transferable skills within hospitality, um, especially in, in the likes of hotels that you you get you guess um you get experience to, from you know between between HR between the operations between how to deal with people how to deal with management and you can take that into anything you can take it into a HR management job you can take it into you know an office job you can take it onto a bloody building site there's so many so many transferable skills and yeah then for me just the passion for for good food and good service and good coffee and there's there's something unique within the hospitality industry that I always, I always thought was was really incredible. There's nearly like, there's nearly like a family. If you've worked in hotels or you've worked, if you've been a chef or you've been, you know, a general manager or a manager, there's, there's, there's nearly, um, not their respect, but there's, there's nearly like a family ethos of, of, there's always somebody you can reach out to, like, like mm. James, like Vincent, you know, like Danny. I could pick up the phone to anybody. And be like, Jesus, look, I, I don't even know you, but. I'm going to ask your advice on something and 99% of the time they will give you honest advice about it. You know, they're not trying to cut you down or anything like that. And, and I love that about it. Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. Look, what a story, man. I mean, um, yeah, there's a lot of lessons in there for people. Uh, I, I think the, the, just the, the boldness of your story is amazing. I think, you're also showcasing what it is to be an entrepreneur because as you say it's not it's not all just one plain sailing route up to the top um yeah. you know you uh, you've taken the lessons at each stage and I, I i i wish you guys all the very best for the next phase it sounds like you've built yourself a cracking little business there um that's only really i suppose getting started and finding its place yeah absolutely of course we're we're what six years into it now but it feels like we're only a couple of months you know that kind of way there's still a lot to do and still a lot to achieve and um yeah there's still a lot of things that i that i want to do creative creative wise and and kind of business wise so yeah look hopefully hopefully watch this space and let's see see what happens yeah perfect dan thank you so much for your time it's been wonderful to to share your story uh, with the world and uh yeah wish you all the, the best for the next chapter Thank you very much, Phil. It was, it was a pleasure talking to you this morning. Good man. Take care. And there we have it. What a brilliant journey Daniel has had so far, and he's building himself a wonderful business through courage and evolution. We'll be back this coming Friday as I have a short, cheeky bonus for you, which you won't want to miss. So until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Friday. <laughs>